All right, Sean, uh, Shawnee, I'm ready for my slides. I'm ready. Guys, slides. Slides. I'm so excited. Mel, can, I, can you turn the effect off this mic, please? I don't, I'm not Billy Graham. Thank you. It's beautiful. Some of you would have noticed when you walked in, our sign has been changed. We have launched into our new exciting ventures. Now, I wanted it all to happen at one thing and there's exciting stuff but as it goes that doesn't work like that the sign went up this week hopefully the app will be launched next week but it's out of my control we're waiting on apple but this is our new logo yay so like we said from a, when we first explained that we we're going to be doing this we we don't god will come whether we we have a fancy logo or not whether we have a fancy building or not he comes because of the heart of the people but in that, there is something that we want to steward well, where we are presenting what he's showing us well. There is, there is an element of our, of our world, it says to be, to be cunning the way we move through. And there is an element of our world where people want stuff to look nice. When you invite somebody into your home, they will come into your home whether it's nice or not. But you still want to make it nice for them when they come. You want to look after them when they enter the room, when they, when they, when they come in and see. So we're not... We're not fancying this place so that we get more people in. We're fancying this place for us, to make it nice for those who are already here. The way we're designing these things, and, we're, and Jess spends hours doing this stuff, and phenomenally. I, my ideas are, are garbage, but I critique at the end. So that's what's important, the end critique. But we're not doing this to, to get more people in. We're doing this for us, because it's nice. It's, it's nice that we can have a place to call home. We, we renovated upstairs and we renovated downstairs, not so that people will come and see our stuff, but so that when we're here, it's nice, it's comfortable. We can come and enjoy ourselves. We can, we can be together with God and, and be a part of what He's doing in an environment that's nice. So as we go on in the next couple of weeks, we'll have more things moving forward and more things starting to happen. Last week, I spoke about the, the first two areas of transactional giving. The first two areas that we saw uh, in the scriptures about how God operates in us when we, when we give ourselves to giving. I'm not going to recap that. I'm not going to go back over the fact that of the things I expressed last week. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. You can go to soundcloud.com uh, and then Google our community. Uh, sorry, to Google. Go to SoundCloud and then you can type in our community and you'll get our page with all our sermons. In the next couple of weeks, they'll all be on the app. But I want to reiterate something before we start. We, we spoke through the first two areas. So I'm going to explain them now in this. Um, oh, wait. Sorry, I've got to turn my machine on. Sean. Here we go. Okay, it's a bit slow. Sorry. Go back. The build-ups are extreme, aren't they? It's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> just go to the first slide, Sean. I'll just tell you. Everyone will understand. Okay. There's uh, is, is one slide before that. Yep, there we go. Sweet. That's okay. It's a box. So we explained last week that the way that the, the, way that the Scriptures explain giving, the way the, ex the Scriptures express a heart of giving and how to operate with that, with the Jewish people, ex it was explained from the way they farmed their land. And I explained last week that we don't deal with farm uh, farming goods now because that's not the currency of our world. We talk in dollars and cents because in the current age that we're in, it's dollars and cents that make sense. So I explained last week that it was a farming land. So if you can see the, the light that's on the screen was that they would have a plot of land and the plot of land wasn't about what's mine and what's yours. The plot of land was that's what I've given, that God's given unto me and I want to steward that land. Everything we talk about in finances in today's day and age and everything we talk about in the way of giving and earning is all about me. But the way that the Jewish people understood, which I, was just why I think it's phenomenal that Jesus chose the Jews to go to, was it was all about somebody else. Everything was about not giving it unto myself, but giving it out and expressing it for the needs of others. So I explained it on a, on a, um, a plot of land. So you, the first thing that they would do was that they would plant their crops, the whole land. They would use all of the land to plant their crops. But when it came harvest time, they didn't reap all of the land in. They would give certain parts away. 
Next slide, Shawnee. The first one that they would give was a taruma, which came from the edges of the plot of land, 2.5%. The second part that they would give, Shawnee, next slide, was the, the tithe, which was the next percentage, which added to 10%. So they'd take 2.5% off the total, then they'd take 10% off the total. And the next part, which is where I'm going to start from today, the next part that they would give was, was to the poor, and it was called almsgiving. Now we can go to the next slide, Shawnee. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And what they would do in this was that they would, once they'd given the 2.5 and they'd given the 10%, they would now harvest their land. But interestingly, and I think it's, it's so incredible, they went off a law from Leviticus, from uh, Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, which says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So they understood this concept that when they, when they um, harvested the food that was theirs, that they had toiled the land for and worked hard for, they would leave an outer strip of the farmed goods and the things that had fallen to the ground, the bits and pieces that they wouldn't collect for the poor. Firstly, that is a phenomenal understanding that they would do. They worked hard for that food, and they had no idea who would pick of it. No idea. They wouldn't have thought through, well, we'll only allow them to come, people to come through if they're not drug addicts because they'll use it for drugs, or we're not going to allow those who come through who are alcoholics because they'll use it for alcohol. They didn't know who would come and take of that land. It was for anybody who needed it. Anybody. The beautiful thing I think about this is, is the way that it's done. When you're, when you're harvesting land, I'm not a farmer, but I could imagine how annoying it would be to have to leave the outer rim and then come in and then farm it out. It would be easier to just farm all the way until you had a square left in the middle. You know when you mow your lawn and you mow around the outside and then you get into you've got that little patch left in the middle? In my head, that would be easier, right? Because I'm doing all the work. So I might make it easier on my end so that I don't have to do it a more difficult way. But the reason that they did that was because they were trying to protect the heart of the person who had to take of the fruit. They were trying to, to protect the fact that if someone was walking along and they were poor or needy, they didn't have to show everybody who was watching that they were poor or needy because they could reach out to the edge of the, the um, field and take a piece of fruit. What we've done in our society today and what we've, what we've begun to show is that we want to cheer and clap when we give to the poor. Because we go, well, I did this. I gave to this person. And I've heard people explain it like this, yeah, but we've got to film and take photo of when we give to the poor because it spurs others to give. Now that may be true, but what it also does is it demeans the person of which you've given to. All of us know how difficult, extremely difficult it is to ask for help when we need help. Now, yes, there's an issue with our pride in that, but when I can't scourge together some coins to put food on my table, pride's the last thing I'm thinking of. I'm hurt, I'm broken, I need something, and I don't want to ask for help. The amount of times where I've had to say to somebody, hey, I can help you with that, like, no, 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 don't worry about it, and then you watch them struggling to pick something up. Because as a people, we don't want to be helped. So when we give something to somebody and we take a photo of it and we show, but look how, look how well they're doing, yes, it does spur others to go, man, I wish I was like that guy, but also demeans the person by which we've given to. That's why the verse in Matthew 6, 1-4 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, that when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that, when you, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When we give to the poor and to the needy in an alms, we do so in a way that nobody else knows that we've done it. 
for two reasons. A, because that's what God sees in our heart. That's the heart of our, our, our giving to somebody else. But also, it protects the dignity of the person you're giving to. We have to start to understand that when we give to somebody, we want to love them in that as well. Now, if they decide to say, hey, man, I was broken and out, and in my pride, I struggled to ask for help, but now that I'm past that point, these guys helped me. It was amazing. One of the, the coolest things that I, I like from, from watching what, what Sean and Mal and, and Winnie and Edie do at Set Free Care is that people come back once they've finished their time. Once they've got back on their feet, they come back and help because they realized how awesome it was for them to get that help. Now they want to come back and help others. But at the time where they go to get that help, they're not thinking like that. And we have to be careful in how we help the poor and the needy. Reap your land and allow them to quietly receive. Sometimes, and sometimes, when we give to the poor, they don't even want to accept it because they want to do it on their own. Sometimes you've got to be sneaky in the way by which you give to the poor, that they don't have an opportunity to turn it down. They don't have an opportunity to say no. They open their bag and all of a sudden there's 100 bucks in there. And they go, well, I can't give it back to anybody, so I'll use it. Does that make sense? Now, the, when, when I started this, I was explaining you the, the, the four areas of transactional giving. There are five areas of giving, but four of them are transactional. Four of them express what God says, I will give to you once you operate in this. Alms giving is a very interesting one. Proverbs 19 verse 17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. He will repay him for his deed. When you give to the poor, you are lending to God. And he will repay you back the amount that you gave. This becomes interesting when we start to understand our, our areas of giving. And I explained last week the first transaction from our tithe. Uh, sorry, the first transaction from, from the Taruma is an increase on revelation and, and understanding and growth toward him. The second was the, the opening of heaven and the, and the um, accusing of the devourer for the increase of your crop. And the third is a one-for-one one return. So what tends to happen, and Sean spoke about this last week when he said, some people will come and want to tithe to the needy. But what happens is that you change your increase from an open heavens and an accusing of the devourer unto a one-for-one one return. So now your 10% tithe that was supposed to be for keeping open of the heaven and for devouring the accuser has now become a one-for-one one return. So what tends to happen is that we gather all our funds and we go, well, I don't want to give to the church because the church hasn't done anything for me. I go to a church, but I don't want to give my money there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to gather all my funds, my 10% because I'm a good Christian, and I'm going to give it to the poor. That is phenomenal. Well done. However, your return on that, the transaction by which God enters into you, is a one-for-one -one return. Now, we have to understand as we go through this and why finances is such a tricky position. Because of the grace of God, you do not have to give. God is not going to love you less because you don't give. It's not a contract. It's not legalism. You don't step in and go, well, Ben said that if I don't give, God's not going to love me. No, God will love you. However, there is a principle, through, there's principles throughout the scriptures that are a part of the kingdom of God by which we can live from and express what the kingdom is expressing. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, it's an outworking of some of these principles that see our life actually grow. It's the same as um, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. That's a spiritual principle based on the kingdom of God. It's a transactional principle in the kingdom. So when you enter into the kingdom, you enter into these things where you go, wow, when this happens, this other thing always happens. When I speak life over myself, I wake up the next morning feeling with more life. That's a, that's a kingdom principle. This is the same thing. All these four areas are the same thing. I'm not saying to you, you go home and you work it out so that you get to receive. God, I give to your people because I love you. But because of who you are, there's a transaction in this. Does that make sense? Yep, everyone's okay. No one's mad. Spectacular.
So as we go, as we, as we go about our lives and as we go about giving, we have to understand each principle along the way because it's helpful. When you give to the poor, God, you're lending to God and he will return the thing that you've given. That's quite interesting to me because a lot of poor charities, a lot of charities that are, are to the poor or the needy, have a thing called DGR status here in Australia. And what DGR status means is that when you give to the poor, the government will allow you to get that giving returned in your tax bracket. So the governmental system has understood a kingdom principle and said, this is how we're going to operate. So you have multi-million dollar businesses, multi-million dollar businesses, come tax time writing checks to charities because they're going to get it back on their tax. Kingdom principle, outworked in the governmental system because they understood to help the needy return one for one and we will increase out of the needy into more people who know what they have. When you give to the poor, it's a one-for-one one increase, but do it without them knowing what's happening. Farm your land so that people who come by you can be blessed without the sounding of it and you protect who they are. That's why I strongly dislike when we see ministries pan past something and show broken people and then people handing out Bibles and handing out water. I understand what they're doing. But for me, I, it breaks my heart. Because I go, we haven't thought about the dignity of those people. We haven't thought about, about their heart, about how hard it is for them to be in that place. I'm not bagging on them, but I'm saying we've got to think differently through this. We've got to think through the way that we sow into God's kingdom, how we prepare ourselves to give. While I was on this journey for, for researching this, I went, I went, I said last week, I went as far left, if you like, and as far right as I could to hear different perspectives throughout the world. And you know, some of the biggest preachers, prosperity preachers, you would say, in, in today's age, some of them, I, there's a lot of stuff I don't like. But you know, a friend said to me, he said, you know, without this one particular prosperity preacher, if you want to call it that, without what he did and the way he sowed to the poor, we wouldn't have a ton of other ministries that are phenomenal ministries. So before you judge somebody, before you judge somebody's situation, you've got to put yourself in their boots and think through, why are they here? How did they get here? How can I help them? How can I secretly give to them? How can, I, how can I, I sow into who they are and lend to God in this area? Does that make sense? Spectacular. Does everyone understand almsgiving? Does anyone have any questions on that before I manoeuvre? Okay. That's three. Taruma, tithe, alms. Fourth and final for the transactional giving. This one is the most interesting to me. This is the one that, that preachers get excited about because it's the, only, it's the only transactional giving by which we see a financial increase. It's the only giving by which we see more being given unto what we've sown. But there's a trick with this. We have to understand that when we sow seed, the next one is seed sowing. Sean's all over it. What a guy. Don't even need this. We have to understand that as we sow seed, as we sow seed, God says that there will be an increase. In Matthew, in Matthew 13, 8, it says, The seeds fell on good soil, good soil rather, and they produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty fold. An increase by which was increased on the heart of the giver. So when it talks about soil in the scriptures, it's talking about the heart of the people. It's a vessel by which things can be sown and grown out of. It's talking about our heart. So when we sow something to somebody, it says sow into fertile soil, good soil. So when you sow a seed to somebody, you're sowing it into their good soil and there will be a, 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 a produce and there will be an increase on my life as I was given. But this is the thing that I want to I, I crush, which I hear all the time. And it, it does upset me quite terribly. And I just want to challenge it a little bit. Is that we'll have some guys that will say, get your seed. Right? This speaks about when, when the way they understood this was when people came through their town. Like Paul would go into a city and he would 
preach in a church or he would express his apostolic gift and they would take some of the seed which was of their harvest so we've got the oh, look at this we've got the the taruma here and the 10 percent that would come off their plot of land the outside was left for the poor and, and the needy and the inside this was their harvest this was what they would eat of and what they would sell from so they would eat the fruit and they would sell it to make income and buy other things. Sell it by way of, I'll give you 30 apples, you give me a lamb. I'll give you 12 apples, you give me a cow. They would sell it in a way that they would trade things to others who farmed different things. But this was their take, this was their harvest, what they would bring into their home and eat and sell of. This is what they sowed out of. They didn't sow their seed out of any of these other areas. They were all given away. It was this part here that they sowed their seed from. Now they sowed it to ministers or others who came, not necessarily a minister in the way that we put it, like they didn't go through a course, but they came and they gave of themselves to that community. It says that when you, um, when you give to a prophet, you reap a prophet's reward. Just out of curiosity, how many guys here, since Adam and, and Adrian and, and Adam and Paul were here, have had dreams? vivid dreams I know there's about 10 to 15 of us that have come to us with dreams do you know why that is because we gave to a prophet and we reap of a prophet's reward we reap what he was carrying that springs up in our field because he planted when he came he gave of himself this is the thing that I don't like this is my seed, my $10, my $15. I don't think I have any money in my wallet, cash. This is my seed. It's a $100 note. Now, what some people have been started to say is that when we take this seed, we can declare what the seed is before we sow it into the ground. And then we wait for that seed to be returned to us, 30, 60, 100. The problem with that is that it's sown based upon a man's heart not based upon our desires out of our soulish realm on what we want. When I sow something to Dan, if Dan travels into our house and I sow something to him, I'm not sowing to him in order to get this harvest, reap for myself. That's a selfish gain and there is no return on it. I sow to Dan because of who Dan is and who God's made him to be and I want him to thrive in the area that he's now sown unto us. And I go, God, whatever this returns me, it doesn't matter, I want him to thrive and I sow to him. But then because of the principle, because of the kingdom principle that's a spiritual principle, I reap a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. God knows your needs. He knows your needs and he knows them in a place that if you need new tires on a car, he's watching what you need. I don't have to select this to be new tires on my car and sew it and then sit back and go, oh, jeepers, he paid the plumbing bill, but I didn't get my tires on my car. You see, we, we've made it, we've taken the scriptures and we've made it about me again. It was never about me. It was about what God was doing in Dan and me getting to be a part of his faithfulness and being a part of the transaction that he had with God. Now, I get to be a part of that because of a principle that I step into in his kingdom realm. If you've got a Bible, go with me to 2 Corinthians uh, 9. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Two Corinthians, nine, six, verse eleven. Two Corinthians nine, six, verse six. And we're going to read up to eleven. The point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not here to compel you. 
I know Brad yelled out last week and told me to stop saying it, but it's important for this point, is that it doesn't matter to me whether you give or not. It matters to you, because it's for you. It's a principle that you step into. It's a principle that God grows in you. If you're giving under compulsion or reluctantly, you're not giving in the freedom that God has for you. You're giving out of a law need, and it's, and it's like, I need something, so I'm going to give out of this. That's not what God's saying to us to do. Give. Why? Because I've asked you to. But watch what I'll do with it. Watch what I will do with it. I will, I will increase your giving. Cheerful giver. Oh, I didn't get that video. There's a video of a, of a, of a man who brings his tithe up. <laughs> I forgot. Brings his tithe up in, 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 somewhere in Africa. And he dances he dances, it's about a three minute video and he just dances the whole way up and he gets, like the, the basket's there and he gets to here and he, he just like falls over into the worm and then he stands back up and he's so pumped about giving. It's hilarious. It's absolutely phenomenal. The point is, is that we give cheerfully. The reason that we've put the basket on the, on the, the barrel now and I, we don't bring it to you is because the church isn't coming to get from you you're giving to God. The church isn't coming to get from you. You're giving to God. That's what we have to begin to understand is that when you bring your tithe forward, you're bringing it to God in this storehouse. You're bringing it out here. And what it says is that we should do that in a cheerful manner. In every area that we give, we give cheerfully because of, of who he is and what he's done in our life. I, I've said this to, to our worship guys, and, and it, it, it goes across here. If God gave you nothing, if you knew that you were going to get nothing out of worshiping him, would you still worship him? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. What if God... What if God said, hey, I died for you and you'll get to come to heaven. That's it. Would you still come and worship him? Now, that's not the case. I'm not saying that's the case. God pours out on us. There's no, no questions with that. But the point is, is my heart is that, God, I'm coming because of you. I'm worshiping because of you. I give myself because of you, because of who you are, what you've done in my life. Not because of anything else. And I've explained that when I give a gift to my wife, I give it because I love her, because I want her to be spoiled. I want her to feel good, not because of an inward desire for myself. We must position ourselves to focus on God and stay in that place. It's all about you, Jesus. And the transaction is, is that way. For he's a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you have all things, all sufficiency, in all things, at all times. All things, at all times. Sufficiency, there's enough. This is my why I look and I go, oh, we can't speak prosperity. What? All things... Insufficiency at all times. That's what the Bible says. That we stand into. I'm getting there, Joshua. Don't jump over. Don't jump over. That we have all things. But it's the last little part that Josh just ruined my sermon. It's the last little part. That you may abound in every good work. That when God so gives unto you it's not for you. It's to continue on the work that he's going to do in you and through you. I don't want to be a multimillionaire necessarily. I'll explain why. Because I have to then think through every cent in a much bigger way. God, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? That Spider-Man quote from the best Spider-Man movie ever made, the very first one, Tobey Maguire, with great power comes great responsibility. I've just upset a lot of Marvel fans. <laughs> go, web <ahead>, go. 
With great power comes great responsibility. When we step into more and more and more finances, guess what? God's calling you into more and more and more sowing. He wants you to be a bigger reach to more people and get more out of you in the way that he's increasing more in you. Because then it goes on to say this, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us, through us will provide thanksgiving to God. We increase our, our seed is increased. Just hold that now so I can finish my point. We increase our, our seed for sowing, not our bread for eating. We have to understand this integral part of this sermon is that we can only eat so much bread. You ever gone to that Chinese buffet and you're full, but you, it's so delicious that you want to go back for more? But you're already thinking to yourself, I'm going to have the worst night's sleep when I go home because my guts is already chockers and I'm not going to be able to sleep through that. You ever had that? That's because you can only eat so much bread. I love steak, but there's only so much steak I can eat. And I will push the limits from time to time. But there's only so much we can eat. And our body becomes full. However, an increase in our seed means an increase for sowing. And guess what happens? The more you sow, the bigger the increase. The more you sow, the bigger you increase. So when we start to see our seed roll up and we sow more seed, we get more in. There's a book my dad, my dad was telling me about where the guy got to, he was so wealthy that he got to giving 90% of his income away and he lived off 10. 90%. And in the book, he, I can't remember what the name of the book is, but in the book he writes that the more I gave, the more came in. The more I gave, the more came in. The more I gave, the more came in. Why? Because it's a principle of the kingdom that I will increase your seed so that you can sow more. And this is what tends to happen. I pinch this from Bill Johnson. Sometimes we'll take our bread, which we have for eating, and we'll try and sow it. But you can't sow bread. But the other thing is, is you can't eat seed either. So we'll have the income, just enough for us to get by. My, my, my kids have got food on the table and we've got just enough. And guys will gather the just enough they have and they'll sow it. But that wasn't for sowing. God wanted you to eat it and he'll give you a little bit of seed. But when you sow the little bit, he'll increase it. When you sow a little bit more, he'll increase it. You see, what tends to happen is we mix these things up. Just like we can go and get our tithe and we can give it to the arms and get a one-for-one one return, we can take the bread that God's given us and sown it in the ground and it just turns to mush. But this is the other trick that happens. God starts to increase your seed and you start shoveling your seed in. And you start eating the thing that was always intended for sowing. So the wealthier people get, the more they go, oh, no, no, I, I want to hold on to this. The more I get, I want to hold on to this. But the point is, is that God's given you more. He's increased the little you had so that you could be a bigger increase to those who are around you. The more seed that we get, the more we must sow into. This is what tends to happen, is that people get themselves on a pattern of living a life of miracles where they're always pressing for the need of more bread. Pump the brakes there, Shawnee. Just pump the brakes, man. Don't go too far. I don't know whether we're going to get to the last slides. What tends to happen is that as people get more seed, they begin to forget what their bread looks like. But the other thing is, is that we, sometimes we're on bread and we start living a life of miracles. I want to say this to you. A miracle is not meant, you're not meant to live every day striving for a miracle. If every day you are striving to wonder where your bread's going to come from for that day, that's not how God intended you to live. He didn't intend you to have to keep going back to your knees to say, God, I've got no food on the table. I can't feed my kids. 
We can be in a place like that for a short period. When, when Israel came out of, the guard, uh, sorry, out of Egypt, they were led by a miracle of God. Right? They were led by a, a pillar of fire by day. Uh, sorry, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. That was a miracle of God. And it sustained them throughout the time where they were lost. They were fed. They were watered. They, their clothes didn't disintegrate. They had everything they needed in that time. But here's the kicker. They were never, ever, ever meant to stay in that place. They were meant to come into what? The promised land, which was flowing with what? The goodness of God, milk and honey. What we do as Christians sometimes is we get caught up in this place where we go, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm living on the miracles. Yeah, but God's called you out of miracles. Or we'll say, I need more cash. Well, uh, you need to apply for jobs. Now, I've applied for jobs. I've had heaps offered to me, but I don't want to work, man. I, I, just, I just want to stay in with God. Well, God's given you a job for an increase to protect your bread, and then he's going to show you how to increase your seed to sow. But we get stuck in a place of living on a, on a, on a miracle, and it's not, it's not a problem so long as we're saying to God, God, you, you've given me a miracle. Now I want to, I want to get out of this place. If, if, I don't have a better example. It's not a great example I have, but if, if you have cancer, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going I'm to push to see your healing every day. But if you're smoking, I'm going to say, hey, let's give up the smoking, firstly. Let's be wise on the things that we've given. Let's at least, now let's have a healthy diet coming in. I'm praying for you, I'm trusting for you, but maybe we've got to make some changes along the way as well. Like guys that are sitting poor, broken, and, and saying, I can't get off. Well, maybe let's stop putting all your money into a pokey machine. Or maybe you don't need that six-pack that you've got. We always want to blame somebody else. We always want to blame, oh, the enemies attacked my finances. Really? You just bought a $70,000 car and a $60,000 income. That's not the enemy. That's you being a goose. So stop being a goose. Sell the car. Get the cash back. Buy a, a crummy. Now, does God want me to have a crummy car? No. No. But he also doesn't want you to be a goose. He wants you to train and grow into something better. What happens in the natural realm when a father gives a son everything he's always wanted? He turns out to be a brat. My dad always pushed into us, get a job get a job to the point that I was I was 13 going into McDonald's saying hey can I have a job no you can't because you're too young like, just give me a job I can make it work and that's not because dad wouldn't give me everything I needed I always had what I needed I always had food on the table but I wanted to increase my seed a miracle doesn't pull you out of stupidity God will lead you out of that place but this is the other thing that a miracle Bill, Bill Johnson says this he says, miracles enable us to see the hand of God to keep us alive so that when we move into the promised land and we work, he blesses our work. We still give him the credit for all of it. We still give him the credit for everything, everything that he's given us. We have to get away from trying to always wish and hope for our bread and allow God to give us our daily bread and then increase our seed for sowing. Does that make sense? Miracles are not there to continually sustain stupid. That was my Instagram post that I, um, that I was going to write if I was to write one. Seed offering. When we sow unto God, He increases the things that we've sown. When we live a life that is constantly chasing, I'm amazed. I was actually amazed by watching this outfold by the way so many guys have had dreams and phenomenal dreams, both for this house and for the life, for their life. And guys starting to interpret those things and going, man, this is incredible. I'd never seen this before. That's not because Adam is an amazing superstar. That's because God used him, used him to bring something into this house. And when you stood into the principle of the kingdom and sowed into that, God increased it in your life. He increased it. Jess and I are, uh, have, have gone back to the drawing board in our finances and said, how do we do this? How do we sow well? 
How do we take our crop, the things that God's brought into us, this part, and use it to increase his kingdom? When I said I don't want to be a multimillionaire, it's because it, to me it does become more difficult. You've got to think through how to be more generous. And guys who have stood into that say, the more it happens, the easier it gets. Because you allow money to stop being a thing for you. You let it go. It doesn't matter. I give because I know God's going to give me more. I give because I know God's going to give me my bread. I'm always going to have my bread. This just popped into my head. When my people say this, I, I am challenged greatly by it, especially Christians. I can't have a baby because we're not financially stable. But this is what tends to happen. The line for financially stable gets shifted the closer we get to it. So we increase 100 grand in a year, but now I'm still not financially stable. Because financial stability isn't a thing. Because you'll always want the next iPhone. You'll always want the next car. You'll always want better clothes. You'll always want a better barbecue smoker than the one your mate has. You'll always want more, want more, want more. The little you have is never enough. But God says, make the bread I give you enough and I'll increase your seed. And you can sow exponentially. The last point that I have, the last thing, which is the, the fifth area of giving. The fifth area that we see. I've gone too far. It's from Proverbs 11, 24, 25. And it says this. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should. Whoever brings blessing. Sorry, my bad. One who gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And, for, and one who waters will himself be watered. As we give freely, as we give freely, we grow in our riches. We grow in the goodness that God has for us. I said this to a friend the other day. What are the two most important things that we, we, we transfer with in our society? The two most important areas that we give away are our, is our money and our time. If you see a very, very, very wealthy man, in most cases they don't have time for people. So they can give all they want. Give, 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 give. But God says, sit with that guy and listen to his story. And for them, well, someone else does that. But the challenge for very wealthy people in most cases is to sit with people. Go to that person's barbecue. And, and the exact opposite is of those who don't have very much. If someone doesn't have much coin, much money, they'll give you all the time they, in the world because that's what they can give. But the challenge for them is to give of money. The challenge for the very wealthy is give of your time. Dads, give to your kids. Give to your kids. It is more important for a dad to be home with their kids than it is for him to be out making millions. Bread is enough. The bread is enough. They don't need all the stuff. They need a dad to show them the kingdom, show them who he is, who the real father is, the true father. That's what they need. More than the riches. The riches will come. But spend time with your kids. One who gives freely grows all the richer. Another withholds and suffers want. When we withhold, we always have a want. We always have a need. If someone is hungry, give him bread to eat. Proverbs 25, 21, 22. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. That burning coals is not something that you're hurting them with. It's a revelation of the goodness of God by the way in which you give. When burning coals come and are heaped on somebody's head, they're realizing, Flip, that guy is so generous. When you pay dinner for somebody who can more than afford it, it challenges them to the core because they're not that generous. They don't know how to give like that. That's what the heaping of burning coals is, is they're going, oh my goodness, this guy has little and he brought me lunch. I have lots and I will never shout somebody lunch. It challenges who they are. That's what it means to challenge them. The fifth point is living a life of giving. Living a life of giving. Mike Eltringham was phenomenal at this. Phenomenal. Jess and I were with him in Kmart the last time he was here. And 
we were shopping for some stuff that we needed. That plant was something that we needed, so we gathered that. We gathered, like, like things, just silly things. I had the belt that I've got on, which I just needed a new belt. Jess found some fun shoes that she liked. Like, we were there for Charmaine to get a few things, and we just grabbed stuff that we needed, you know, or wanted, whichever way you look at it. So we had these goodies in our hand. It probably came to 50 bucks, maybe, of these things, goodies that we wanted to buy. We're standing, oh, and Mike had a box of um, detailing car wipes, because when he got in my car, it was all dusty, and he didn't, he was paying me, I said, I'll get you some. But we go, we'll go behind him, we're staying in the store, and he says, come on, put it all on, I'll buy it. And I looked at him, I'm like, Mike, you're not buying us shoes, a belt, and, and knickknacks. You know, food I understand, shouting someone lunch I understand. I said, you're not buying us knickknacks. He looks at me, he goes, put the things on the, on the rack. Like, no, we're not discussing this. Put the things on the rack. And he bought them for us. They're not amazing sentiment. It's not, they're not amazing things. It's not like it was a, he spent a millions of dollars. But the fact that he would buy us these little knickknacks that we needed, bits and bobs for around the house, because he wanted to bless us. He lived a life of generosity. He loved paying for someone's lunch. Loved it. That he would do it all the time. That's a life of generosity. That's living a life where you go, I've given everything in this area. I've given all these places. I've given, I've, I've sown seed of my harvest. I've got a little left, yet I'm still going to take this guy out for lunch and shout him. It's phenomenal when you get to a place where you, in your head you go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy this guy lunch. I don't know how. I don't, I, I don't know how I'm going to get the next bill, but I'm going to buy the guy lunch. You buy the guy or the gal, whoever it is, lunch, and then two minutes later you get this increase from somewhere. Where God goes, that next bill you're worried about, here it is. Because you live from a place where you go, I know who my provider is. I know where my bread's coming from. And I know the, the joy it is to sow into your life and sow something that's from Him that will bring a harvest to them and to me. It's a transaction that God brings us into. The reason finances... I'm going to end, but I, I do, I, I want to, we don't do this very often and not because we don't, it's just, I, I, I don't want to just do it because we, we, that's what we do at the end of church. And I know that it can be awkward at times, but that's okay, I want to offer this opportunity. But I, I want to get the worship guys back up and I, I want to express this vision that I had and I want to pray for people. If you feel like something has a hold of your life that shouldn't, don't feel awkward. If no one comes up, it's okay. We'll go and have coffee. The guys can get off the stage. It's not, it's not a problem. But I don't want people to leave here if something has a hold of your life. Because then there's no point. Yeah, guys, if you want to just jump up and just... just, just and, and We don't need the music. God will come if there's no music. But it just gives that, that freedom for there not to be an awkwardness. So why don't we stand... Does this make sense? Is everyone okay? Yeah. Good. I, I don't say that because I need your pat on the back. I just, there's no point if I speak for 45 minutes and we don't learn anything. It's pointless to me. So this vision that I saw, the, the reason finances in the church is such an awkward thing to talk about and has always carried such a heavy burden upon churches is because we don't have our faith in the fact that God will provide our bread. I know, and I said this before we started, I know God will provide the things for this house that we need. But I want him to give us more seed. I want an increase on this house's seed. Why? So I can sow more. Why? So God will give me more so I can sow more. So that we can reach people, so that a house of, of, of 60 people is, is sowing thousands into this, hundreds of thousands into the city. Bethel's impact on Redding, California, whether you like Bethel or not, is phenomenal. They impact that city. So this is what I want to do. I want us all to close our eyes. The vision that I saw was that there were people kneeling, worshipping, passionately worshipping, but they weren't worshipping God. They were worshipping things that had a grip on their life. I know there's guys not here that are struggling with things as well, so I'm going to just declare for those guys, that that thing lets go of their life. This can be sickness. 
It can be, it can be a, a, a torment in your mind. It can be, it can be finances that you're, you're riddled, that you look at your bank account every day and go, God, I don't have enough. All these things stop us from stepping into where He wants us to be. And that's not where God has us. So if there's something that, that's like that, won't you come forward? To step out and say, God, that's me and I will not hold this thing anymore. Break it off my life. That's all you do when you're stepping forward. It's not because there's a, a nice thing out here. It's just to step out and say, God, I'm that person. Won't you break that off my life? Jesus, 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 God, come and lead us, Lord. Lead us in your kingdom. Lead us in your ways, Jesus. Allow us to step in to the transactional things that you have for us. Lord, allow these finances to, to not be a struggle in our life, but to be a freedom for us to step into and to see more of you. Satan, you have no place here. You have no place here because Jesus reigns. He is King and Lord in this place. And you have no place here. That whispering in people's ears, that tugging on people's heartstrings ends now. We break that off in the name of Jesus. Wholeness and fruitfulness, Lord. Jesus, 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 you reign in our lives. God, I pray for any, any depression and any cloudiness of mind, any struggling to get up in the morning, any struggling to understand who we are or what it is that we do. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you come off. You have no place. You have no hold over people's lives. Jesus, 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 Jesus. As we pray for guys, just stand there and worship. But if you want to come and pray for somebody, come and just lay hands and declare, declare the blood of Christ and the fullness of who He is over people's lives. We don't have to grovel and, and ask for God to please come. We come in the authority that He gave us on the cross, in the authority that His blood washed us clean, washed us into wholeness. That's the authority you declare over the person's life that you're praying for. So if you want to come, come and pray for people. But just stand there and worship. If you don't know what to do, just stand and just begin to thank God for who He is and what He's doing.